Thanks for tuning in to Tell Me More. This is Joshua Soloway, and today we're talking about porn, something that you're aware of. You're very aware of it, but my guess is you don't have a ton of conversation about it, and guess what? You need to. I want to make conversation about porn as normal as it is to watch porn. It's so prevalent in our world today, but the most you hear about it on the mainstream is just like jokes that comedians tell or uh, maybe a passive joke that a sitcom uh, tells. I don't know. I just I feel like pornography is just so glazed over and yet so prevalent in so many of our lives. I believe that if you're not dealing with porn, someone that is very close to you is, and most likely you are or have at some point in your life. So have we not talked about it more? Uh, I'm going to have a a friend, Sarah Sullivan, um, to talk about it with me. Um, She's incredible. Her story is incredible and her knowledge is incredible. We're not experts. We don't know everything, but we know enough to where it just stands out to us. Porn is really important. I'm going to ask for endurance on your behalf. Try your best to listen to this whole thing. If you have to break it up in pieces, it's fine. But every aspect of this, I believe, is super important. We're going to talk about the industry itself, how it impacts the world, how it impacts your relationships, how it impacts your brain, and all of it's just really good stuff. So thanks for choosing to listen and tell me more and uh, listen to this one all the way through. show is The Office. I love Michael Scott. He's forever in my heart. And I remember this one episode where he hit Meredith with his car and he's just having the worst day. And then uh, Angela's cat dies, um, sprinkles. And Michael in a quote says, man, this is like the worst day. I'm, I'm I guess paraphrasing, but he says, this is like the worst day. You know, I hit Meredith with my car, you know, and then his computer, he goes, my computer crashed with the porn and now sprinkles died. And And in passing, he like mentions that his computer has crashed with the pornography. And I can actually think about like, I love watching the show Friends. I love Parks and Rec. I can think about several like sitcoms that humorously glaze over this joke about pornography. And the reason it resonates is because we're all very aware of pornography. And it's like those little moments in TV shows where there's this presence of porn and it's fascinating to me because I see pornography as this place that is, or as this this thing that is so prevalent, yet so secretive, yet we're also aware of it. And it lives in this weird space in our culture. And I, you know, I'm sitting in here with with Cody, who's the guy that's editing all this stuff, and, and he has a history of porn. I'm here with Sarah. You have a history of porn. Me, I have a history of porn. I think I was 9 or 10 years old the first time that I saw porn on TV because we had some channel subscription that we didn't know we had, and I remember just stumbling across it. And I, I think I've talked to, I mean, how, countless people that have stories like ours, like we were just young when we came across porn. And, and we live in a culture that, I don't know, kind of shoes away pornography, And I don't really know why, but I want to talk more about this thing that all of us listening know about. We know about pornography. I did not blow anyone's mind when I started talking about pornography. Everyone knows it's naked people having sex in some form or fashion on a screen. No one is surprised. And it's really weird that something so intense and so prevalent can go sort of untalked about I know some organizations are talking about it. Some people care deeply about this. But by and large, the mainstream, it's more of a joke. And the joke implies acceptance. This is just a thing we do. And um, I don't think that's a fair way to talk about pornography. I don't think it does it justice. I think it's a, a really big deal. And so I'm here with Sarah. Sarah, you've done some really awesome things in this conversation. You've shared your story, your encounters with pornography. Um, but today I want to talk with you about A couple areas. One, the industry of porn. I want people just to know. And oh, by the way, if you're listening, you need to know that we will not be scared of sexual terms. We're going to use terminology pretty unfiltered. And so just be aware of that. We're just not going to be afraid of that. We're going to we're going to do it. And so I'm tired of this thing living in the realm of secrecy. I'm tired of it being this like thing we kind of push away into the closet and and we know it's there, but we kind of ignore it. So anyway, I want to talk about the industry, how powerful it is. I want to talk about what it does to the human brain, what it does to human relationships, um, and then eventually just some of the impact it has on the world. And it's a really big deal. So, Sarah, first of all, thank you for being here because we're talking about something that is vulnerable, 
not talked about a ton, especially just in like layman's terms. Like, let's name some stuff here. So anyway, thanks for being here. Glad yeah, you're here. no problem. I think, like you said, that's one of the ways that we can we all know that it exists. So one of the ways that we can break down the stigmas of the the shame or the taboo nature, like just all of the uneducation surrounding it is by talking about it so bluntly, basically, yeah. and just like exposing the truth of it. Yeah, exactly. And uh, let's talk about, let's start with the industry yeah. and just how dominant it is. Now, look, we are not experts here. I'm, this is not an expert podcast. This is something that maybe you've studied for a couple of years. Yeah. But anything we say, we're not claiming to be like all knowing about all this stuff. And I would actually venture to say any stats we give, any things that we that we uncover here are probably on the shallow end of how deep and how serious this conversation goes. So my guess is we will actually err on the side of not being super extreme with how we talk about it. It's probably worse than what we're even going to talk about. Uh, maybe not, maybe worse is an unfair word, more consequential than what we'll even cover here. So yeah. anyway, I'm talking a lot. So let's go back to you. <laughs> talk to me about the industry of pornography. What are some things, some stats, some things that yeah. stick out to you about the, the industry, the history, blah, blah, blah? Yeah. Well, I mean, porn's always been around, but modern day porn is so, so different. And, you know, you were saying, oh, how prevalent it is. 96% of young adults are either accepting of porn or neutral in their view towards porn. So okay. it's very, it's people don't understand what it really is if they're accepting of it. And I think the, the latest number, 64% of young people, 13 to 24, seek it out weekly or more often. 64%. Okay. Okay. So yeah. ages 13 to 24, mm-hmm. 64% of that demographic, 13 yeah. to 24, seek it out, seek it out on a weekly basis. Yeah. So best case scenario, 64% of people 52 times a year are encountering porn. Right. That's like the best and case. And that probably definitely is on the shallow end because there is so much shame around it and secrecy that I'm sure so many people are not reporting. But yeah, that's it's that's insane. When you think about, too, just like how intensely it's increased and grown just in the last two decades. I mean, we didn't have home computers until the 90s. We didn't have smartphones until just, you know, 10, 15, year, 12 years ago. And so... It's been growing so much. This stat blows my mind. We don't realize how widespread this is. 30% of all data transferred across the internet in the world is porn related. Like when you think about how our entire world runs on the internet, but 30% of that is related to sex. And I want to pause real quick. If you're listening and you watch porn and it's a secret, this is not a shaming podcast. No, yeah, uh, we're helping. I mean, we want you to hear the normalcy of the habit. And we'll get into there's there's help and, and we think it's important. But this is not like a, yeah, this is not a condemnation to those that, that watch porn. And I, I'm not trying to, to throw shade at people that participate. I'm more wanting people to understand how, how real and how broad, like this mm-hmm. covers a lot. And so this is very... Anyway, I don't have the words that I'm yeah. trying to say, but this is important. And if you're dealing with it, welcome to the club. And uh, anyway, yeah, so it's we're a big just deal. learning together what this is. Yeah, this statistic honestly is probably not most up to date, but the most popular porn. I mean, there's thousands of porn sites, and the most popular porn site, just that one site, is the 18th most popular internet site. It outranks eBay, Netflix. I mean, it's. More than Netflix, that's it's more popular. Site. That's just one site. Is I'm assuming more popular that's Pornhub. I would assume so okay. as well. Yeah, that's the one that I've heard because I've seen the. the is it Exodus that's kind Cry? Of, mm-hmm, yep, Exodus okay. Cry. Um, yeah, they've been doing. A, there's a movement that they've really been trying to to nail Pornhub with, basically just calling them out on all of the stuff that they're doing. That they is, had to take down like a lot of videos. Yeah. Right? So there's um, there was a journalist that wrote an expose just a couple well a couple months ago at this point on what Pornhub is doing, like what they have on their site, what they're allowing and just the um, horror of it. And it ended up, I mean, people were outraged as they should be. And so it ended up resulting in Pornhub taking down like 75% of their library of videos. Which means they probably still have hundreds of thousands of videos. Oh, yeah. Yeah, for sure. Okay. Yeah. Which I'm so glad that's happening. And I'm so glad there's more awareness. But this Mm -hmm. has been... Not, this isn't just porn. This is every porn site. I mean, yeah. I, I'm assuming. I don't really know. For me personally, it's been, let me see, let me see, let me think. I think nine years since I've actively watched pornography, mm-hmm. since I've seen pornography, which I'm so thankful for. But even 
nine years ago. And I think about how much technology has advanced the, yeah. the ignorance that I now have. Yeah. And and I think it's something really important here that you that you've named. And sorry if we bounce around a lot to our listeners because we're about to just this is yeah. it's so broad, so vast. Anyway, I mean I think about how I mean, me and you were talking before we started recording, obviously, and you pointed out, you know, porn's always been around. It was on magazines. But we have to understand the significance of moving from magazine and 20 years later, mm-hmm. you know, in this short time span. Now there's flip phones. I mean, think about how many kids you see on an iPad. Yeah. You know, their parents are, are sitting at the airport and their kids just have an iPad in their hands and understanding that iPad is like this universe of, of endless possibility. Now, that can be great news. There's different ways to learn, different ways to yeah. entertain your kids, different ways to <laughs> babysit, I guess, yeah. um, which may not be great. But it's bad news because now, now, what, what was the average age that you said kids are typically exposed to? Seven. Seven years old. Seven years old is the average age that a child is exposed to pornography. And you think about the power of smart technology and what it makes available. It's just, it's devastating. So I'll let you know, actually, a year and a half ago when I I was a couple years into my sobriety and I relapsed and it was because I was playing like a word game on my phone. And one of the advertisements that popped up was pretty much like a porn advertisement. Okay. Okay. This happened to me. I was playing, um, it was a word game and it was like one of those where you try to find as many words in two minutes Mm -hmm. as possible. I'm very good at it. I average like a gold score, which is huge. But I remember I'm in bed, an ad comes up. Very scandalous woman. Mm-hmm. Shocking. I, we're going to get into why this is devastating. Yeah. So, so far you might be like, this isn't that big of a deal, guys. Yeah. We'll get into why we think it's a big deal. But I show my wife. I'm like, I'm like, Leah, look. Look at this ad. I'm on a word game. There is mm-hmm. nothing scandalous about my activity. <laughs> but look at this. Yeah. In my biology, I am designed to see Respond that to and that. pursue that. Thankfully, I did not. But it's it's crazy how prevalent and how accessible it is. Yeah. Yeah, it is crazy. And so when you think about kids, we just said 64% of young people from ages 13 to 24 actively seek it out. You think about why that is. Like they had to have seen it at some point before then for them to want to actively seek it out. And now they don't even have to seek it out. It comes to them. Like it's just it's put in front of them. And I'm reading these stats. 35% of all Internet downloads are porn related. Yeah. I mean, you think about like how va- how big the internet is and how much activity mm-hmm. is going down on the internet mm-hmm. and 35% of all downloads is porn related is there a lot of money in this industry i'm assuming yes yeah there's about an estimated 97 billion dollars in the industry and i mean again these are not the most up to date stats so it i can only assume that it has grown intensely since then yeah yeah and for us to just sit back and acknowledge anytime where money is on the line it, it can like stir distrust in us, like no matter what the thing is. Yeah. Like when when, poli- when we hear about politicians that on the side they're making a ton of money from this company, immediately we go, oh wait, maybe I can't trust them. And pornography is is the same. It's like people are making so yeah. much money off of this. I want to dip into the treatment of the people involved in pornography. So yeah. not quite how it's affecting the world at large, but just what have you learned about if someone chooses to be in porn to be videoed having sex with uh, someone of their gender or someone from a different gender whatever what what's that like what what do you know about their lifestyle how are they treated what what is this so let me first read you this quote because it's shocking and this is by let me make sure i get his name right and his title this is by larry flint and he is the founder of Hustler Magazine. He was named Arena Magazine's number one most powerful person in porn. And this is a quote from him. He said, I wouldn't advise them to do porn, but where the money is to be made is if they move into films, and I wouldn't advise that. You get used up very quickly. Within three or four months, the average girl will just get used up. It just takes your soul, you know? It just takes your soul. So, What, What does used up mean? Exactly. Who even knows? But the fact that, I mean, he was named the one most powerful person in porn at one point. He's the founder of Hustler Magazine, which, I mean, they're they're about porn and sex. And he's even advising women not to go into the industry. This reminds me of when I learned, this is much more serious, but 
when I learned about Facebook, like people that worked for Google or Facebook taping their own cameras on their own computers, they were aware of the surveillance they did on other people. (laughs) And they were like, I'm not going to do to myself what I'm willing to do on everyone using the apps that I'm helping create. And um, this is a much more serious version where he's going, this industry that I help perpetuate, I would not advise getting involved in. So let's dig in a little deeper. What do you know about people that are going, are people choosing it? Um, Are people happy in the lifestyle? You can tell with the, the... the tone of this podcast already, we are probably assuming it's negative. Yeah, right. Um, but I want to be fair. I mean, what have you learned about people that are participating yeah, um, in pornography? All of the different research that I've done through um, just interviews that I've seen and documentaries that I've watched, yes, the overarching, the overwhelming response by people who have been in the porn industry is that it's incredibly damaging, hurtful just bad. And they've all since then, you know, it's something that they have tried to get out and are now like trying to recover from. And so there's a lot of of women that go in knowing, thinking X, Y, or Z, they'll be doing X, Y, or Z, or that's what's expected of them. And then they get there and it's completely different and it's their paycheck. So they, they need to keep their job. They need to keep, you know, whoever happy, they need to do what they wrote in the contract that they signed that is now different, but there's no way out of it. And so there's a lot of coercion there and a lot of force there in the industry. And then even, and this isn't just for women porn stars, like even men, there are Mm -hmm. so many. I actually, uh, just last night was reading an article about another guy who he won an award in the porn industry. They actually have their own awards, goodness, ceremonies. Um, But he won all these awards and he couldn't live with himself because of it. And he went to a bank to make a deposit and the teller called him by his actual first name. And he said, he, I hadn't heard myself called by my actual name other than, you know, my, my stage name in mm-hmm. years. And he was like, and it just shook me because I was living this double life of this fake, unreal person mm-hmm. that wasn't me. And he, he, he like got out of the industry after that. But it's, it's just amazing when you hear stories and there's a, a guy named, Greg, I I don't remember his last name, but he also was another one of like the most influential and successful porn stars. And he said that he continued to do porn because he needed the money so he could buy drugs and he needed the drugs to help him get through his job every day of doing porn. Right. And so it was this vicious cycle of like he couldn't live with himself and he but he needed the money because he needed he was addicted to drugs to get through what he was doing. So it's just When you think about that, like, even if that's not everyone's story, like, even if there are people who are in the porn industry that truly go to work and love their job, even if you have one person that is, like, in this industry that is being just horrified by it, that's one too many. You know what I mean? But then when you have so many people coming out saying, like, this was my experience and it was horrible, then when you have Larry Flynn telling you, I wouldn't advise you to do it. It takes your soul. I mean, like, how can you not listen to that? And and the podcast is called Tell Me More because I want to sit back and let the person I'm talking with have the floor. So I I try to refrain from getting too opinionated. But I want to be – I'm really tired of how pornography is treated in the mainstream. And you're doing a great job of being – careful not to, to have broad brushstrokes. So we understand some people in porn are, according to them, healthy. The main, the, like the predominant truth is there is drug addiction. There mm-hmm. is often sex slavery. There is often abuse. People got into situations yeah. they did not intend to. And, and and this is not to heap shame. If you are, again, if you're watching pornography, I, I'm not heaping guilt on you, the consumer. I think there are things to warn you about and, and to invite you into some, yeah. some potential healing. But we have to name the industry for what it is. This right. is so toxic. It's it's beyond. To- it's yeah. it's flooding in toxicity. It's not close. And I, I don't want to be biased, but but I remember talking to one of my buddies who did a ton of research on pornography. He was a pornography addict, and he just has a huge. He always wore this shirt that says "Porn Kills Love," and he just like nerded out about learning more about it. And he said he just talked about the drug addiction. That is what you're talking about. That yeah. is going into coping with the fact that you are being videoed doing something that that is so intimate. Mm-hmm. And we'll get into how it affects your mind, blah, blah, blah. But, but I just remember hearing about the the drug addiction and the abuse and, and how often women are paid in drugs. And so yeah. they are chemically, they are addicted to a substance that keeps them in this pornography yeah. industry. Yeah. That is sex slavery on video. Yes, and 
It's awful. It's yeah. not close. It is awful. I don't think you have to be a person of faith or uh, wherever your moral compass is at. To, it's not hard to see. Mm-hmm. This is pretty terrible. Yeah. And I, I mean, I, I don't know how deep you want to get into the connection between porn and trafficking now, but for it. it's it's shocking. I have some story. I won't. I'm not even going to share some of these stories because they're too graphic and I just people don't need to hear them unless you're like wanting to research this. But like you had mentioned Exodus Cry earlier, there's a whole movement that's been happening called Trafficking Hub. And we mentioned this early how uh, Pornhub was kind of exposed. They were doing a lot of horrific things. What really is going on is a lot of sex trafficking and child abuse. Like there's so much child abuse on these sites. And let me let me name something really quick. I don't understand why pedophilia is looked at one way and porn is looked at a different way. I think we have to understand there is one million percent a bridge Mm -hmm. between pedophilia and pornography. They are intimately connected. And we should I think we need to stop. I don't know who's doing that. Maybe no one's doing this, but I feel like they're two different categories and they should not be. Right. Pornography. If you've ever been on a pornography, I remember at 17, I don't know how old I was. I was in my teen years. I remember it was, I was young. I go on a porn site and I'm, one, I'm wanting to watch heterosexual porn. And I see a video, like because there's like 7 million videos mm-hmm. on the main page yeah. of a horse having sex with a woman. You don't have to go search out dark unnatural weird things to find it on a porn site right there are no rules yeah and so to understand that this child abuse is directly connected to the pornography industry at large is yeah. really important i'm and getting passionate i'm, I'm, I'm know, getting fired up. i'm getting like so angry excuse um, my tone and and like you said not even just like the um those extreme taboos but like the unnatural ones but even just like one of the most searched terms are, you know, under 18, daddy, like all of these terms that are directly related to incest and underaged women, underage girls and children, and they're made to look like children. So when we talk about how we're so mortified by pedophilia, it's like, well, the porn industry is encouraging that. They're they're conditioning, they are conditioning men and women, they're conditioning the human brain to want a certain thing. And in this case, that happens to be young children. Yes, and that was one of the that was one of the big things that was exposed with Pornhub by the journalists a couple months ago, and so that's what ended up. They, for those of you who don't know, if you go on porn sites, you have all of the free videos, but then you can also pay to have an account, and that's where you get all of the quote unquote better quality porn, and that is where a lot of those um, really really intense, just horrifying things end up being uploaded and shown so and thinking about not only the kids that are being abused but also how many children that are being exposed to this um i want to transition to the impact that pornography has on your mind but before we do that is there anything in the industry side that that we haven't covered we're not going to cover anywhere near all of it but is there anything we haven't mentioned yet that you want to talk about I don't think so. Other than just like, I mean, you could go in depth about the trafficking connections. Let's go. Let's come back to that. Okay. Yeah. Um, I, people, I want it's, people to yeah, hear about the, how many victims are a part of the industry at large. But I want to transition to the impact that pornography has on your brain, and, and your brain functions a, a very specific way. Mm-hmm. And I'm not smart. I don't have a way to describe this. But some of the things that you told me about the pathways that are in your mind and how yeah. pornography impact how sex first impacts your brain yeah like in a very natural way like human to human sex sexual encounters and then how porn sex via a screen um is a yeah has some really weird impact so let's let's talk about the impact it has on yeah on your mind yeah there's one of the biggest reasons that porn any addiction affects your brain is because it's really like taking over how your brain produces all of the chemicals that help it work in a healthy way and it's it's like hijacking them and screwing up their production. So kind of the biggest effect is on your dopamine levels. And this is people usually think that the dopamine chemical is like what gives you pleasure, but it's actually the chemical that like causes you to seek out pleasure. It's like kind of what motivates you to go and get whatever that natural pleasure is. You think you think of food, sex, like things that are natural to us. So when somebody is watching porn, their dopamine levels are being spiked up really high. And like any addict or somebody who's a habitual user of something, the more you 
get that high, the more you want that high, the more you seek out that high. And so if you think about somebody who's watching porn, and now we know the average age of exposure is seven, when you think about some a young adult or a child watching porn, that, that chemical is that production is just being like spiked up really high. And then it goes down again and they want it again. So they seek it out to have it be spiked up high again. So now they're in this cycle of needing to have that dopamine spike and they can only get it through watching porn, something that's more more graphic in nature or more novel, like the, the new video that they haven't seen yet. And so what ends up happening is your brain is creating these high levels of dopamine while you're watching porn. But when you're not watching porn or whatever drug that it is, your body, your brain isn't creating that in a normal way. It's not producing it. And so this causes a lot of depression. This causes the rest of your life going about on a daily basis to not feel normal. Like you're why, not- why is that? Like, like what's happening? So is it is it like a cause and effect? So what you're getting, the the, the rush you're getting, the release mm-hmm. of dopamine, the feelings it gives you, um, not just the physical sexual release, but just yeah. the overall feelings it gives you. Is it because like does does the world lose color around you because it doesn't give the same thing that porn does? Yes, pretty okay. much. Your body's not producing it anymore when you're actually seeking out and doing the things that are natural because you've been okay. it's been producing it at such high levels with something that's unnatural. And so now your body is like being wired to produce that hit only when you're doing X, Y, and Z, only when you're watching porn. It affects a lot of other chemicals in your brain as well, like testosterone in men. And this is also then what leads to erectile dysfunction. Your testosterone levels are being spiked up all the time, constantly when you're watching porn over and over and over. And so then when you're not watching porn, your body's like, we don't know how to produce this. And so that too is why then when you're having sex in real life with a partner, it's hard to have those chemicals be produced how they should be because that's not what your body knows. That's not when it produces those chemicals. It produces them when you're watching porn. Let me ask a question real quick. Yeah. Can it change Can it change what you're attracted to? Like, are you training yeah. your brain to be attracted to video feeds, like to the, the images you're seeing? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So um, you had mentioned this briefly earlier, but your brain creates pathways that helps you remember and learn how to do things. So when you think about like brushing your hair, brushing your teeth, like your brain, you do it, the more you do it, repetition is key. The more okay. you do something, the more your brain creates that pathway deeper and more defined. Mm-hmm. And so when you're watching porn, your brain and your body is responding how it how it normally would in a sexual experience. It's responding in that same way, but to a screen, to something that is not natural and not what it should be. And so when you're trying to do those things in real life, your body doesn't know how to react in the way that it's supposed to for that. And it it conditions. So back to then conditioning you when you see X, Y or Z, like if you're, you know, a porn user first seeks out heterosexual porn and that's what's normal. That's what they're attracted to. That's what they're interested in. But now they're, they've been watching it for a while and their body is no longer, their, their brain is not producing the chemicals that give them the same high anymore. So now they have to seek out something that's a little bit different, something that's new, something that is a little shocking to them. So then they might go look at like girl on girl porn or guy on guy porn or whatever it is. Um, there's lots of different kinds out there. And they'll keep finding new ways for their body to produce more of that high. I almost I want to compare it almost to a gateway drug. Like that's yeah. that's kind of what you hear about, about weed, uh, mm-hmm. marijuana, right? Is like it's the gateway drug. Like even if you're okay with weed, like it can lead to other things. And I know there's various opinions on that, but um, it sounds like the same thing. Yeah. Like the the first things that you're watching on porn, if you do it long enough, your brain just doesn't get the same reward anymore. Right. And so it needs to advance the drug basically. Right. It needs to get deeper and more intense or I don't know. I don't know how it works. But yeah. Okay. Yeah. And so then now your body's like oh, I'm, I'm not going to react or be attracted to regular porn and regular okay. sex anymore or this kind of woman or this kind of man. And it's it starts conditioning you to realize, actually physically condition your body to respond to a very specific expectation or standard or okay, whatever so, Okay, so in my head, and you can tell me if I'm wrong or maybe maybe you can't, I don't know, maybe we'll be looking <laughs> in an I don't know moment, but this is what leads to, in my head, this is what would lead to pedophilia or violent sex or mm-hmm. like just, just things that, you couldn't conjure up on your own, right? And but it leads to that 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 reward that your brain gives, yeah. and so 
anyway, in my head, it can take you down a road of more intense sexual desires. Yeah, I think it's important to note that so much in the media today, in society, there's this idea that porn is where people go to learn about sex, that it teaches you about sex. And a lot of times people even say, like, that's one of the reasons why they're pro-porn. They're like, well, kids are learning about how to have sex and, like, how it works. But the reality is it's not like you're learning about you're not learning about sex. Porn is teaching you, is conditioning you to what you should like or want that is not natural. It's not natural sex. It is not real sex. And now you're conditioning your body to respond to a screen and not a real life partner. So it's actually like the opposite of learning about sex because what we see on a screen is not real. And as someone who I'm married now and who has like a one-on-one permanent sexual relationship with one other person, just speaking from experience, sex is is so individual. It's so unique to the person you're with. And so the premise that in any way porn is teaching you about sex, you're so right. Like it's not possible. Like there's only so much you can teach about sex before you commit to it with one person. So if you're someone that wants to have a one-on-one sexual relationship for any period of time, porn is most likely competing against, directly against your desire to have a one-on-one. And we're going to get into relationships later. But it's probably at war against what yeah. you want the most, which is to be loved by someone um, and to be in a sustained relationship. Yeah, yeah, and um, there are what are called mirror neurons in your brain that, like, when is you it, s- you're saying mirror mirror okay. neurons, mm-hmm. and when you're watching someone do something, it's like your body is is internally doing it as well. So when you think about if you are watching someone play the piano and like you can kind of imagine yourself playing it or if you're watching a pitcher throw a softball like you know how in your mind you're like throwing it with them as they're doing it well the same thing happens when you're watching porn your body is your brain those mirror neurons are firing off and they're seeing something happen and you're feeling as if you're doing it as well and so but you're not. You're instead your body is responding to something on a screen that you're not doing that your body doesn't know how to react to. So when you try to actually do that in real life, it's like what's going on? This is not There's confusion. There's confusion. Mm-hmm. And so for us to understand that is like a would that be physiological? What's the word for that? It's how your body's designed. Yeah. Let's just stop there. Yeah. <laughs> like I said, I've already prefaced enough with how not smart I am. But yeah. so you have these mirror neurons yeah. that are designed to do this. Yeah. Like so you then you go to replicate it in real life with maybe a, a partner yeah. and you go, well, that didn't work out the way I thought it yeah. would. And I'm and again, I, we said this in the beginning, like I can even speak on this on personal experience, too. Like this happens. This is true. Like there is a physical effect that your body has then that you can't translate into real life okay. from porn. So it's definitely, I mean, again, it's not across the board, but like the vast majority, like this is how your brain and body was meant to function and it's doing what it's supposed to and it's really damaging. It's like okay. messing you up. For okay. sure. The good news is that your brain is plastic. So just like porn or something can change your brain, it can also change back. You know, it's constantly creating pathways and healing itself. I mean, adolescents, you know, kids that we know are watching porn, like when your brain is still developing, it's those pathways are going to be really, really, really set by the time they're an adult. But somebody who's been watching porn for years or even decades, when you stop watching porn, if you continue to stop watching porn, like your brain can and will eventually rewire itself to be more healthy, to to work how it was meant to work. So in the, in the same way that the the pathways of that were created because of addiction and, mm-hmm. and repeatedly coming back to the same source, they can be rerouted in a sense? Right. Yeah. There okay. is hope. There is hope. Yeah. Um, it just takes a lot of time. But the longer that you continue to watch porn, like the longer that you continue in that habit, your brain will slowly just keep changing and, and could be a lifelong thing. Okay. Um, and, and you, I think you already mentioned it here. I know we've talked about it. You said your brain is plastic, which that's news to some people. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was news to me at the very least. Um, and, and the, the, the big term is like neuroplasticity. neuroplasticity yeah. Real quick, one more time, just sum up. What does that mean? That's the natural ability of the brain to rewire itself through a person's lifetime. So in the same way that plastic can be like molded, mm-hmm. your brain yes. can be molded. Yes. Okay. Um, and it's important that, that our listeners hear that if you are addicted, if you feel sad, 
uh, about the world because you're addicted to porn. Maybe you haven't connected those dots yet, but but if if that's a, a place of release for you and you keep going back for more, you need to know that your body is actually doing what it's supposed to, mm-hmm. um, but it's being used improperly, right. right? It's it's being manipulated in a way. Yeah. And I even think about like for me, I'm a Christian. Per- I'm a Christian. I I believe in Jesus, but for anyone, I, I was even thinking about if you don't believe in God at all and you just look at human history um, for us to understand this is all extremely new in the in the right. the time span of humanity the idea that you could access sex without going to another person right like that you can encounter sex with someone else without mm-hmm. being in a room with someone else mm-hmm. is really new and so I think this should produce some real humility in us as we consider the impact of pornography which is brand new right. Watching people have sex on a screen is a few decades old. I mean, it's brand new. And so anyway, I just I think, yeah, all this conversation makes me want us to be humble and hopefully convicted in how we view this conversation. So we've talked about the industry. Mm-hmm. We've gotten into some of the brain, the impact on the brain. Now let's talk about and we've dipped into relationships just a little bit, but I'd love for you to take it farther. So porn is not just of consequence to the people in the industry. Mm-hmm. It's not just of consequence to the consumer, the person who's watching it repeatedly. It's of consequence to the people around you. Um, yeah. And I'm assuming that it's of consequence to the person that you're trying to pursue an intimate relationship with. But I'll let right. you confirm that. Yeah. Um, talk about how pornography gets into our relationships. Oh, gosh. Yeah. So many ways. So the CEO of Playboy, Scott Flanders, said that, he said, my personal view is that unfortunately availability of porn in some cases has substituted for intimacy and personal relationships. And that is unfortunate. So even, you know, someone who's leading in the industry. Actually, can you reread that quote? Yeah. My personal view is that unfortunately availability of porn in some cases has substituted for intimacy and personal relationships. Okay, so we need to hear that. So yeah. porn has substituted, according to what's he at Playboy? What is he's this the guy? was I don't know if he still is the CEO of Playboy. So credible source, yeah, the CEO of Playboy telling us that that pornography can sometimes substitute yeah. for intimate relationships. Yeah. So you mentioned yes, it affects the consumer. And in affecting the consumer, it's affecting the relationship. So we know pretty much anyone you talk to who watches porn, they're going to say at some point in their life they felt bad about it because it is so new. It was never spoken about. So there's a lot of shame around this issue. And I do want to I want to clarify that I'm I do not want to shame someone who's watching porn. But the reality is we all feel that or have felt that at some point. And so that alone starts creating this feeling of isolation and I'm not good enough, and I can't be loved. And that's going to affect your relationship right there. Um, So that's kind of how it can, as a consumer, it isolates you. As a consumer's partner, it's going to isolate you as well, because you're going to know and realize that your partner is is connecting with something that's not you. It will come between you. And that's there's a lot of studies around this, too. So what I'm saying is not just like my own opinion, like there are actual studies and research that has been saying all of this. But it also then sets unrealistic standards. So, I mean, when we you know, talked about how it conditions you to want X, Y, or Z or to be aroused by X, Y, or Z, this is where erectile dysfunction comes in. This is where um, even women who are unable to orgasm comes in. Like your body is now wired to respond to certain things. And so when you're with a partner that maybe is not those certain things or can't can't do all of the things that the women in porn and men in porn can do, can't last as long as they can on porn, which we know to not be real. I mean, it's edited and photoshopped and it's they're on drugs. I mean, like it's not real. And yet now we have these expectations, whether you want them or not, whether you want them or not, either they are mental expectations or you don't even realize that your body physically has an expectation that now your partner can't meet. And so right there's a scorecard that sounds like it gets implemented, which is. Like step one to having a really miserable sexual yeah. encounter with someone else. Yeah, for sure. And it also leads to wanting your partner to do things that they don't want to do. And so um, a crazy statistic, there was a study done. It analyzed 304 scenes in porn. 88% of them depicted violent behavior towards women. 48% depicted verbal aggression. And 
in that the women half the time or if not most of the time act like they like that, like like they want that. And so right there you have so many people that are now in relationships expecting or wanting to do things with their partners that their partners don't want to do. And they're like, this is normal. This is, I mean, women like this. I know this to be true from porn. So yeah, it definitely, it definitely affects your relationship in that it sets unrealistic standards and then can also, that leads to division between you and your partner. Well, I just want to, let's just go into a scenario that, that I'm sure has happened a billion times, but if there's a moment where, let's just say man and woman are, or just two people having sex and one gets violent and the other one gets scared. And obviously it was never a part of the plan to scare some, well, Hopefully, it was yeah. not a part of the plan to scare the other. Well, then if you scared someone else during such an intimate moment having sex, yeah. now you feel like absolute trash because you just scared the person you're naked with, mm-hmm. trying to have sex with. And I just think about just think about how quickly that adds up to this pretty devastating moment. And yeah. you're naked and vulnerable. So to recover from that, yeah. it's there's just and it's crazy how just that one little situation it's like oh wow that could be devastating yeah. to your relationship that's that's traumatizing it is, and hard yeah. to recover from and to just some of the trust that starts breaking down because that is a moment when you are you're so vulnerable with your partner that you are trusting them with so much and then now they're hurting you whether they intended to or not yeah it definitely breaks down a lot of a lot of that trust and just that feeling of what should be a really sweet, intimate moment is no longer there. And you, yeah. I know you've done a ton of research on this, but I've watched, I've, I mean, I remember watching Oprah. She interviewed uh, a husband and wife mm-hmm. about him secretly having a porn addiction. And the way she found out was his aggression in bed. She went, where is this coming from? He's either wow. having an affair yeah. or something is happening outside of it. So it's it's what reminds me of the phrase, the naked truth. It's like mm-hmm. the, the like sexual encounter can just kind of expose who you are and, and what you want out of that desire, out yeah. of that moment. And, um, and I, I've talked to friends who have said, yeah, my significant other watches porn and it impacts us. And I don't even know how to talk about it, but mm-hmm. it's weird. It makes me feel yeah. like I'm not enough, mm-hmm. um, which is, so, of course, yeah. when you're watching porn, like you are getting sexual fulfillment in someone other than the person you're with. Yeah. Right. And and so anyway, there's just a ton of breakdown. Yeah, it definitely it destroys trust. And ultimately, it really does destroy relationships. And people who admit to having extramarital affairs were over 300 times more likely to admit consuming porn. And so, and that was by a study, um, a 2004 study. And then this, this blows That's my mind. That's 2004, guys. Yes. Wow. And this is crazy. Dr. Jill Manning, she's um, a divorce lawyer, not a divorce lawyer. She does um, divorce therapy and relationship counseling and pornography, all of that kind of therapy. But she, in her research, she found there was the American Academy of Matrimonial Lawyers. They surveyed 350 divorce lawyers and they said that 56 percent of their divorce cases were somehow significantly related to porn whoa which is is shocking when you think about the divorce rate that we've seen spike in in the last two decades and you've i i personally believe there is no way that that is not related to the spike in internet porn absolutely and this proves it i mean this proves that that porn is destroying relationships and i remember you cited something Maybe it was the article you just we were talking about. It might have been that family therapist. It was not just a, a watching of porn. It was an obsessive. What yes. was that? They involved one party having an obsessive interest in pornographic. Yeah, websites. so it's not it's not just that because I would say pornography is present in so many divorces for mm-hmm. sure. But she's suggesting, or not even she's stating that it's an obsessive. Yeah. So it's that addiction that we've been talking mm-hmm. about, right? Your body yeah. is these pathways are present. You've got to increase the habit, make mm-hmm. it more intense. And so it literally, yeah. I mean, chemically becomes obsessive. It's not just that you watch it a lot. It's like your brain yeah. is obsessing over seeing more and more. Right. Right. And, you know, you just mentioned the escalation of it. Like, very rarely do you have somebody who just watches porn kind of habitually and then stops. It's very common that it does – you do need more and more. You do need it to escalate in either the amount of time that you give to it or in what you're watching. And so when you think about trying to have a relationship in real life, that isn't going to escalate the same way. So it's, you're going to have to seek something extra. And something you mentioned earlier is mental health, and you, you talked about – depression or kind of the world losing color because yeah. you're not getting the same dopamine release. Is there is is that common? Is that a thing? It's very common. Okay. Yeah. What have you learned in the realm of like mental health, I guess? Yeah. So 
I I mean, for those of you who don't know, I have obviously a lifelong history of addiction, of porn addiction, and I have a lot of people that I talk with that also have it. And, and real quick, sorry, mm-hmm. I know I'm interrupting you. No, what percentage of women? It's like 70% of men, right? Do you remember? I don't have the statistics in front of me right now, so I don't The last remember. I heard was like 30 or 40%. I It was 31% okay. of women, I believe, that, that would watch porn, but... I, I'm kind of reluctant to believe that number because being a woman growing up in a time, I mean, this isn't something that women should deal with or should ever have. You know, we weren't ever seen as being a sexual being. And so I feel like women are very much, they're going to not be reporting it. Okay. So I, I want to say that that number is probably a lot more, but I think it was, yeah, it was like 31% of well, just women. To, well, just to encourage our female listeners too, like, you're not alone. No. This is not alone. uncommon. Right. Um, it's not weird or strange. Like, And so just I, I want to keep speaking out to the it's a sad normalcy, but it is a normalcy. And you're not you're not alone and in the dark yeah. and, and no one at least we we certainly wouldn't judge anyone that goes, hey, I deal with this. It's like welcome yeah. to the club of millions <laughs> right. and millions of people. Right. Um, but anyway, back to mental health. Yeah. Because your brain is now not creating the chemicals it needs to or it's supposed to in normal life, there is this feeling of this isn't good enough in life. And I do want to point out, it's kind of a common, commonly known thing that with addicts of any kind, narcotics, alcohol, there's this sense of they don't, they're not able to go and achieve and accomplish in life. They're kind of stuck. I mean, that's, you see that all, all of the time. And that is true also with porn. It's because all of those chemicals in your brain dopamine specifically, they're the ones that make you go and do and achieve and accomplish. And so when you're not producing those, it can be hard sometimes to even go look for things in real life that are natural that you need, even food. I mean, I can't tell you how many times in my past life I would shirk responsibilities. I wouldn't do things that I needed to do. I literally couldn't get off the couch or get get out of my bed because I either was depressed or because I had no motivation. And the only time I had motivation was to go seek out more porn. And I coped with all of those feelings by watching more porn. I mean, that's that's what the nature of addiction is, right? You can't cope with life. You can't cope with certain emotions or feelings or the shame you feel or whatever it is. And so you go back to your drug, which in turn makes you feel that way, which then you need the drug to to combat. And so it's just this vicious cycle of numbing out to your addiction. How easy was it for you to pinpoint that that was the source? In my adult life, once I started going to counseling and learning about talking with therapists about it and going to meetings where women were, I heard the similarities between us, it started to all click. And then um, Fight the New Drug Plug, we've been I've been referencing them a lot. They are just such an amazing organization, but they have so much information out there. And I started reading all of the, the ways that porn was chemically affecting my brain. It was it was like a, a eureka moment for me because my whole life I, I didn't understand why I was the way that I was. Like I felt something was was just so wrong and I didn't know why and hated myself for that. But when I started reading what porn does, what porn addiction does to the human brain, I literally was reading my life on a page. Like yeah. I was like, this is what I this is what I've been feeling. This is why this is happening. Like I could see me living it out. And so, yeah, it definitely the mental ramifications it has and the emotional ramifications it has are just so they're so severe and they're so real they're definitely there for sure yeah and to those that are listening that are dealing with porn addiction or or watch porn regularly thanks for having the endurance to keep listening we're almost done keep listening i think all this is really important and for those that don't do a porn this is probably heavy and and uh maybe you already knew all this or maybe this is kind of mind-blowing but again thanks for listening and keep listening yeah because Truth can be hard sometimes. Mm-hmm. Truth can be heavy. And that's what we're in. Yeah. We are talking about heavy and difficult truths to process. So having said that, there's two things I want to get to. Mm-hmm. Um, first, I want to talk about gender. Can I just real yeah. quick put a yeah. plug in there? You said for those who don't haven't don't deal with porn, even if you are somebody who has never encountered porn, like chances are you know people who have. You do. And it's not even chances. Yeah, and, and it's it's just I think it's so important too for you, for those people to also become aware and educate themselves because this is a way that we can better love people, better Great educate point. them yep. and just and raise up a new generation of people who know what porn is and know why it's not healthy. And that's like in the end, we all win when that happens. It's a great point. And so. yeah, hopefully it promotes understanding to, to, to be able to name it as what I would consider a, a deep evil, but also to have understanding for the person consuming it to where it's it's not as simple as, you know, why are you being 
you know, so stupid or right. it's like far from that simple. Right. Um, so there's two things I want to, I want to get yeah. to. So first is, is gender. And then we'll wrap up with the impact it has on the world. Mm-hmm. Oh, and then a third, you know, for someone that goes, I hear you, I need help. Is there help? And there is. So we'll get to that too. But gender wise, you're a woman who deals with pornography addiction, but I just wanted to address, this is a predominantly, mm-hmm. even though many, many women deal with this majority, not just many, but majority of men deal with this. Yes. And so I think it's powerful to have a female perspective on this conversation. But I really hope that men are listening to this and taking it seriously. Yeah. And even that you'll maybe sit back and reflect, where is porn impacting my life directly, which should be pretty easy to problem solve, um, but also indirectly. Like I loved when you pointed out the effects it has on your um, motivation, mm-hmm. on your discipline, on the, mm-hmm. on the on how social you want to be on certain days. Yeah. And yeah, I just shout out to the men who are dealing with this. I know we're, we're listening predominantly to a female perspective, but we're talking about something that impacts the majority of men. Anyway, yeah. okay, I'm yeah. done. So let's let's talk about the impact this has. You know, I know you wanted to talk about like sex slavery. Yeah, I mean, not even that extreme. I mean, we can just look at the sexual violence that's happening. I mean, you look at the Me Too movement. You know, we're out, I believe you can't be outraged with that and then still be pro-porn. You Say just it again. Say you it again. Can, you can't be outraged at sexual assault and violence. You cannot agree with the Me Too movement and be pro-porn. Okay. They are one and the same. Porn is fueling that. It normalizes sexual violence because it's first normalizing objectification of people, primarily women. Like like you said, it it's primarily, it has been, the majority is men that are going to watch this. And in porn, it's usually males dominating women. And we're not to be okay to be very clear. We are not excusing um, porn is not like an excuse to be sexually violent. So we're not saying like, um, oh, they're being violent. Well, blame porn. It's like no, blame the person right. who is being abusive. Yes. But understand, yes. there is a deep and very real connection between pornography industry and sexual violence. Yes, yes, yeah. Um, I'd mentioned the study earlier, but three hundred four scenes of movies from 50 of the most popular porn films were analyzed. 88% contained physical violence, 49 contained verbal aggression, and 95% of the victims, almost all of them women, were neutral or appeared to respond with pleasure to the abuse. So when you think about your brain now, like figuring out what it likes, what it's going to respond to, what it needs, you're literally filling it with violence, violence, violence. Like sexual violence has become the norm for porn. And so when you talk, when you, you know, talk about trafficking, it's so hard sometimes to even know when you're watching porn, if it's something that's consensual, if it's something that who you're watching is being raped, if it's actual trafficking happening in front of you, because it looks just like all the other porn videos that are consensual where there is violence like it is one and the same yeah they're never going to release i mean predominantly i'm sure there are some very dark things that i'm I'm not aware of but typically they're not going to release a video clip where it's obvious that rape is happening right right? they're only going to release the edit where it looks consensual yes yes yeah and we all know who ted bundy is he's america's most notorious rapist he is quoted he says the most damaging kinds of porn are those that involve sexual violence. The wedding of those two forces, as I know only too well, bring about behavior that is just, just too terrible to describe. What? Ted Bundy said that. That is insane. I know. I wasn't ready for the Ted Bundy quote. Yeah. Whoa. Yeah. So it's another statistic that the FBI put out. um, And again, this is several years old, I believe. They said pornography is found at 80 percent of the scenes of violent sex crimes or at homes at the homes of the perpetrators. So it I mean, and hear me loud and clear. I'm not saying if you watch porn, you are going to go out and commit crimes or be sexually violent. That's not what I'm saying at all. But the reality is when we are conditioning our brains and our bodies to normalize and then respond to sexual violence, it's going to be normal then for us to go out and and do that. And can you repeat the 80% stat one more time? Yeah. Porn is found at 80% of scenes of violent sex crimes or at the homes of the perpetrators. Yeah. And 80% is far beyond coincidence, right? Right. Yeah. You can remove all doubt. Yeah. So it definitely... Definitely is is one and the same. And the Trafficking Victims Protection Act, TVPA, their um, 
very obviously authoritative in the trafficking industry, but they define sex trafficking as a situation in which a commercial sex act is induced by force, fraud, or coercion, or if the person is not 18 years of age yet. So when you hear that, it's like it doesn't have to just be somebody who is like out there raping someone over and over again and getting money for it. It can literally just be coercion if you're having somebody produce any kind of sex act just by coercing them. And so, you know, we talked about this a little bit when we um, talked about the porn industry, but so many porn stars, whether they're actual like professional porn stars or they're just people making amateur porn, if you, you know, show up and you're supposed to do X, Y, or Z, but now they want you to do something else. Or if you're, you know, with your partner and they're filming you, but you don't know about it, or they're filming you and you know about it, but you didn't consent to them giving it to somebody or showing someone, like all of those things constitute sex trafficking. And they're happening on screen and where people are watching it, they're consuming that and then thinking that it's okay and it's consensual. And then they're going out and repeating and performing all of these things that they're seeing. Mm-hmm. So it's, it, we're perpetuating this, um, just normalization of sexual violence, objectification, male dominance over women. And yeah, it's, it's then we're, you know, up in arms when people are actually doing these things in real life. Yeah. Right. Well, and I, I just think about when, when porn is in the hands of someone who has money and power and no moral compass, just like the devastation yeah. it can be. And the best case scenario is you're just a average Joe who mm-hmm. watches porn and there is a great, I just say, great chance that it's impacting your your own brain yeah your own motivations and your your desires for an intimate relationship with an actual human yeah and so no matter where you fall on how often you watch porn uh how it impacts what you're it's impacting you somehow and man i i hate broad brush strokes so I'll, I'll try to dodge one but i'm very convinced that it is impacting your life in a negative negative fashion that that is not normal to the human experience. Like your body isn't supposed to be experiencing what it's experiencing. Yeah. I've talked to a lot of different people that, um, they're not necessarily pro porn, but they've said, well, it's, it doesn't hurt my relationship. Like we watch together or it's not hurting me. I'm not doing any of these things. I'm just watching it. I don't watch this kind or this kind. But the reality is when you're supporting the industry as a whole, you are supporting, sexual violence, you're supporting trafficking, you're supporting abuse. And the we mentioned, you know, Exodus Cry has been, well, I should say the trafficking hub movement of kind of exposing Pornhub and all of the horrors that they allow on their site. They, a lot of victims who were raped, who were trafficked, have said, come out saying, my videos are on Pornhub. Like my videos are on these porn sites of me getting raped, of me getting trafficked, and they don't take them down. They haven't verified that it was consensual. They never verified age. And so when you're supporting the industry, when you're watching this, like that's what you're supporting. And you don't know if if what you're actually watching is consensual or not because most of porn out there is violent. So it, it really... Yeah, it affects society so much. And if nothing else, if you feel like it in no way has an impact on your life, I guarantee you that you are objectifying people more than you realize. And, you know, an article came out, a woman wrote about how, well, I won't get political, basically saying that certain men needed to watch feminist porn so that they knew how to treat a woman. But the reality is if someone's watching porn, whether it's you know, all about the women taking lead or the men taking lead, or even if it's loving, like you're using those people on a screen to to just create a sexual experience for you. They're a means to an end for you. You're using them. That's what you're doing. You're objectifying them. So yeah, the it's it definitely is deeply affecting society for sure. Yeah. And we would speak pretty strongly against porn in moderation, pretty strongly against um, a positive porn. Like I just... I, I just don't see a scenario where it's positive. And if it is, it's like, hey, yeah. I, don't, I don't know what it is. Yeah. I have no comprehension of it. But by and large, it's a powerful one. It is a powerful yeah. industry. Yeah. And it has significant consequences, yeah. both on the participants, on video, holding the camera, directing the videos, and on the consumers and on the friends of the consumers. AKA it affects every human yeah. that is just walking yeah. around, it's, at least in America. Like yeah. a, it's it's really prevalent. Now, we know we've we've talked so much. This has been a lot. Admittingly, it's it has been heavy, yeah. but it's real. So yeah, you know here it is. And 
the reality is we know now. Like, we know. We can't plead we ignorance. Yep. And you, when you think about the tobacco industry, like... I was every, just about to bring up cigarettes. Yeah, everyone smoked. Every, it was, like, the most normal thing. And they actually, at one point, thought it was healthy for them. Right. And, which is just laughable. But when you think then, when they started learning about all of the effects that it had, like, I mean, there were um, policies put into place. There were laws. Like, there was so, society took so much action against that. And, like, we are now at the point where we are realizing... Porn is not healthy in nope. any way. It's not good. We are we know the ramifications. We know all of the science and research that are being behind that. And so now it's time for us to start putting into taking action against it. And that starts with just one person, like just with you and I choosing not to support it, not to watch it, and to educate each other about that. The National Center of Sexual Exploitation has called it a public health crisis. Absolutely. And it for sure is. Yep. Absolutely. In ways that we know it and still ways we don't know. Okay, so we've we've acknowledged the the neuroplasticity of your brain, plasticity of your brain, and the pathways it creates. So we know that we're talking about something that even if someone's watching it and they're like, "Hey, I hate all of the stuff y'all talked about. I don't want to support it, but it's really difficult, yeah. right?" It's like, "Hey, one, we see you, yeah. and we acknowledge that that is a hundred percent real. Mm-hmm. That that just hopping off the computer and stop supporting, blah blah. blah. It's not very easy, yeah. um, but I." I do want to assure anyone that that freedom from this habit is 1 million percent available. In fact, three of us can testify, Mm -hmm. three of us in this room, there's only three people. So three out of three people in this room can testify that you can find freedom and you can start your journey toward healing. We can't promise it overnight, but I'd love for you to just briefly, what are some steps we can take if we're going, hey, I watch porn or hey, my friend watches porn or my spouse watches porn, whatever. And uh, we want to start walking toward yeah. breaking this habit. The first step is to talk about it. Mm-hmm. Normalize we, it. Yeah, normalize it. And it's so important. I mean, like secrecy is the number one weapon that just destroys us. And so there's a reason why, like when you look at the whole AA, the 12 steps, AA, everything that they are, the reason that works now for all addiction is because it's based on knowing you can't do it by yourself. You're powerless to it. You can't do it alone. It's based on accountability and putting you in work. So the first step is just to like get somebody, one person that you trust in life and let them know that you're struggling with it, that what's going on and um, let them come alongside of you. Like That is just like key. You will not be able to do it alone because it is very addictive. It's not something you can just white knuckle your way through if, if it has a hold on you already. And then there's so many organizations that not only can just educate you, that was really helpful for me to learn about what it was doing in helping me want to stop doing it more. So definitely seek out the education piece about it. And there's Fight the New Drug, honestly, I can't say enough about them. And they're probably like, quote unquote, the coolest organization out there right now that's talking about it. But Mm -hmm. not only do they have all of the information, but they also have a lot of like campaigns and support groups and um, a lot of different ways that you can get involved with other, what they call fighters, with other fighters to to kind of break that cycle. But there are a lot of really great organizations, Exodus Cry, Covenant Eyes. I mean, there are so many out there that will help you, surround you with other people, with resources. There's apps you can download on your phone. Like there's just so much. So yeah, I would definitely say the first step, let somebody know and then educate yourself, start learning about it and then um, find some sort of group or support system, whether that is like an actual organization or app or you know just a group of friends. And then lastly, I mean, if it's something that's extreme, like I found a lot of help through going to meetings, going to SA meetings, um, going to counseling. And then I did the 12 steps through Celebrate Recovery. But there are a lot of really great programs out there. And all of those, like, they're just so beneficial. So if it if it's something that is like hardcore, like in your life and you can't stop it, like you it's not something you can do alone and you do need to get external help. But there is so much hope. There is freedom. Like like you said, we've all experienced this and you can definitely like break free from this if you just got to put yeah, the work in. And that hope is not like um, far off and ethereal. It's like, no, your brain yeah. can be molded yeah. back to it. It can have new pathways. So scientifically, <laughs> like mm-hmm. your brain, your brain has hope. Yeah. And so um, we really mean that. And I, I do want to speak into the normalcy. It's got to be normal. Yeah. Like it doesn't have to be weird. If I think about getting in a group full of people that are talking about them watching porn, the first thing I feel is, God, it's weird. Mm-hmm. No, it's not. It's not. Mm-hmm. It's not weird when they're by themselves watching porn. So we've got to stop be- making it weird to be in a group of people and to be very open. What you said, secrecy. Yeah. Secrecy is the only thing that can really perpetuate and let this kind of like mold in the dark. Like right. it, it helps it grow. And so 
I would encourage um, encourage you, listener, to be bold, be brave, and and set the standard for normalcy. Mm-hmm. Let's talk about it and find a safe space. Obviously, uh, find some people that you trust. Uh, find one person, whatever it is, and be open. And um, at some point, probably choose to expose yourself. And, and right. that's really hard. So we're, I don't want to underestimate how difficult that decision is. Yeah. You know, I think about to when you're a little kid, the last yeah. thing you want to do is be caught. And so right. when your parent catches you, or your teachers catches you, you come up with the most bogus five-year-old lie ever. It's like obviously a lie. Yeah. Teacher obviously knows. But what is that? There's fear. It's fear of being exposed. You don't want to be caught in something weird. Yeah. And so we acknowledge the, the courageous step it takes, but also acknowledging that that courageous step is a step toward genuine freedom from yeah. this. And so, Sarah, and real quick before... Oh, no, go ahead. I was just saying, it's a process. Like, I mean, I, I have been in recovery for four years now, I believe. But I mean, I had been watching porn for literal decades. And I and I relapsed in those four years. Like, it wasn't... It's not... It's a long... It's a long turning of the ship, but it can be done. And there's no shame in, in taking Mm-mm. the steps backwards to take those next step forward again. Yeah. Keep getting back up off the mat. Yeah. Like, it, freedom does not look like Oh, I've went 7,000 days without looking at porn. I've heard of like reward systems like that where you can be in a group and for every 100 days you get like a thing. And maybe that's fine, but that's not what we're talking about. We're talking about freedom. Um, We're just slowly walking toward one day, hopefully, where, no, I haven't seen porn in years. But it's such a progression. You're talking about a real addiction. Mm -hmm. Like your brain, not just, you're not just lazy and you're not just selfish or undisciplined. It's like, no, your brain is healing. And so- This is like in some ways the most normal conversation ever. And yet here we are, not a lot of talking about it. And so we hope this encouraged you. There is hope. If you want to reach out to Sarah or Mm -hmm. I, I mean, DM us on Instagram, hit us up. Um, Real quick, bullet points, name like four or five things. And name them again. What are some helpful resources? Just name them. Yeah, so for uh, Fight the New Drug is a really great resource. Recovered Man Porn Free Radio, that's another good one. Wait, say it again. Recovered Man Porn Free Radio. Okay. Is a good one. Celebrate recovery. That is, or a twelve-step, any twelve-step program. So essay meetings, and then um, I also do want to say, especially for parents, Protect Young Minds is a really, really great organization for families and parents with kids as well. So that's something to look into, also. Awesome. Okay. Well, we've talked about on on this Tell Me More podcast that we're I'm playing around with. There's a lot of things that I'm excited to talk about, but this is the only time I'll tell you to share this with your friends. I think this conversation matters. And so if this encouraged you, if it informed you, please share this with people. Yeah. Or at least take notes and share those notes with people. This is important. This one, this one hits home for me. And so we hope you're encouraged. Thanks for tuning in. Thanks, Sarah. Thanks.